Welcome to the Retro Nostalgia Podcast with Matthew Ramirez, your go-to education and entertainment source for all things 80s and retro video games. In this podcast, you'll learn little-known facts on a variety of nostalgic topics, leaving you longing for the awesomeness of yesteryear. If you're ready for a blast from the past, a tubular new episode is starting now. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Retro Nostalgia Podcast. My name is Matthew, and as always, I will be your host for our journey into the 80s. I hope everyone's doing well out there. Personally, I had an enjoyable day today. I am currently living in northern Nevada, and I was able to kind of explore the region that I'm living in. I just moved up here a couple months ago, and it's it's been a pretty easy transition as far as moving to another state. Um, obviously, having full-time job helped, but... It's been nice to get some time off here and there to kind of explore the area. So I'm glad I was able to do that today. Uh, As I was doing that, there is actually a radio station here. I still am one of the few people. I don't know how many people are still out there that listen to the radio in their car. And when I mean radio, I don't mean like Sirius XM or you know, my, my cell phone or, or an app. I actually listen to the radio installed in the car. One of the stations that I really li- uh, listen to here is called uh, 93.9, and it focuses all on 80s. It's actually an all 80s station. And I feel as, as I've traveled around that that's become more of a thing. There's more like just exclusive stations devoted to 80s music, the 80s sound, 80s artist. I know, having traveled to the Bay Area, California before, they also have a station that plays all 80s all the time. I think that's a good thing. We we don't want to lose that music. We don't want to lose those artists. And they were very influential at the time. And even today, they're still very influential to new acts new people that listen to them. So I, I think it's a good positive thing that the 80s sound hasn't really ever gotten away. And I feel like these sort of music stations have led a renaissance into the 80s as far as music, as far as that sound. And it's been good to kind of hear songs that remind me of songs that were created in the 80s, especially uh, listening to some from uh, alternative rock, even some pop music here and there. They draw heavy inspiration from the sound of the 80s. Now, when I talk about the sound of the 80s, what do I mean? I'm referring to New Wave. Uh, As many of you would probably know, New Wave was very popular in the 80s. It's basically the sound that that was eponymous with the 80s. That's what, when someone thinks about music in the 80s, they're most likely to think about New Wave and maybe pop. But that New Wave was a big, big thing back then. And I feel like every decade had its, its type of, of music. For example, the 90s, that would kind of divide into two eras where the early 90s you had the, the grunge rock scene 
with Nirvana and other groups coming out of, of Seattle and that North uh, Washington state area. And then the late nineties out with like the pop stars like Britney Spears. And then you had, of course, the boy bands like NSYNC and, and Backstreet Boys. And that continued kind of like into the two thousands with more uh, emphasis on rap and hip hop and, and that sort of thing. But in the eighties, I feel New Wave pretty much describes the sound for the majority of the decade. I know in the late 80s, probably starting around 87, there was more of an emphasis on rock, starting out with the glam rock era, and then you had other rock bands like Guns N' Roses that kind of took off during that time. But today I wanted to focus on the, the sound that is New Wave and what that meant for the 80s, where it came from, the artists that kind of used it in their music, that kind of defined their careers, and just just get into the bottom of how this all started. Let's start at the very beginning. Uh, what does New Wave actually mean? What type of music, what sound does that genre encapsulate? What artists or, or bands would be considered New Wave? New Wave was actually, believe it or not, born out of punk. Uh, when 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 I mean punk, I, I, I talk about like punk rock. So this association began around the early 70s in, in actually New York. So if, for those of you that might not know, there was a, a club that was called CBGB at the time. And they had lots of musical acts playing there every, every week, every every Friday, Saturday night. And a lot of these bands uh, had a certain sound to them that a lot of the people that would go there appreciated and enjoyed. And for the most part, a lot of the people would consider it kind of rock or punk rock sound. But one of the owners uh, of this club actually decided to, to start naming these bands as as new wave and the reason that happened was because they figured it was a new wave of artists new wave of musicians coming into their own you know post 1960s rock and back then you had the beatles rolling stones and all that and this was kind of moving past that that time and it was also more acceptable they they believed that they would attract more people, more of an audience. It would be more widely accepted if it was called New Wave as opposed to being called punk rock or post-punk rock. So at the initial point that they started using this, it was referring to bands like The Velvet Underground, The New York Dolls, and then other bands like Talking Heads, Blondie, that type of stuff that was kind of coming out in the mid-70s now, around 74, 75, 76. That time is when we're talking about this term being thrown out there for the first time. Around 1977, there was actually a vinyl release by Phonograph Records. The, the vinyl was titled New Wave, and it, it featured American artists including The Dead Boys, Ramones, Talking Heads, and The Runaways. So just going off of that listing of groups in that vinyl, you can kind of get an idea that 
new wave was kind of being used as a general term for a lot of new sounds that were coming out at the time. It wasn't really a specific type of music. I mean, you're talking about bands like the Ramones, Talking Heads, Runaways, and then you got throw-ins that are like Blondie. So it, it's very much all over the place. But again, just coming from that initial idea that it was kind of referring to a punk rock type of, of sound and the higher-ups thought New Wave would be a more acceptable term and, and getting the most people to listen to the new artists. So during that initial time still, I mean, talking about early, mid-70s mid to, to late-70s, the term New Wave was actually still mostly used for British acts by American writers that would write about new new musicians, new bands, new groups coming out. And for the most part, it was used for a lot of the British acts that were coming out at the time. But like um, I was referring to that vinyl that came out earlier, it later spread to American acts as well. And eventually there was actually a separation of post-punk. Pretty much New Wave was the category that became its own. And post-punk, which referred to groups who were initially considered a part of New Wave, like I was talking about earlier with like the Velvet Underground and New York Dolls and that sort of, of groups that were involved in it, but were darker and less pop-oriented. So eventually there was a more clear separation between New Wave and, and that punk rock sound. But I still thought it was very interesting that New Wave had its roots in punk rock. Because when I think of New Wave, I think of artists like Blondie. I think of artists like uh, Duran Duran, that sort of stuff that had more of a poppy sound, more of an upbeat tempo, more more positive than, than what I consider punk rock. So it was very interesting finding that information out. And I don't know how many of you knew it out there, but there it is. New, New Wave was actually from the punk rock scene in the, in the early 70s. Now, transitioning into the early 80s, there was a couple of events that happened that allowed New Wave to really burst into popularity and gain traction in the mainstream. The first being that synthesizers would become affordable or more affordable to the mainstream public. Now, before this, synthesizers had been very expensive and they were not digital. So, Synthesizers actually were introduced in 1964, but those early years saw very little adoption. They were too expensive to be used at the time, and they were not digital. So because of that, many acts of the time, like the Beatles, the Doors, the Rolling Stones, they really didn't see a need to experiment with it or even use it or give it a trial basis at all at that time. As the 70s came and went, there was some bands that would actually use the synthesizer, but this was kind of relegated to bands that were very popular and had money at the time. So this was a band like Pink Floyd that would use the synthesizer, but it was still very prohibitive for most bands and most people to use. But then came 1982, and 1982 was a game changer for the synthesizer world because that's when the MIDI was introduced and the MIDI is a technical standard that pretty much describes a communications protocol or, or digital interface and that allowed uh, musicians to connect a wide variety 
of electronic musical instruments, computers, and any other audio devices they had for playing and editing and recording music. So that was a big boost for artists and musicians at the time. Then the following year, Yamaha released the first commercially successful digital synthesizer, the Yamaha DX7. Now this synthesizer went on to become almost the industry standard throughout the 1980s, especially in the pop music scene. And some examples of musicians that used it were AHA, Kenny Loggins, and Cool and the Gang. This synthesizer also had a, a special preset that was known as the E-Piano 1. And it became particularly famous for power ballads and that type of music. And was used by artists such as Prince, Chicago, Phil Collins, Whitney Houston, and Billy Ocean. So that kind of goes to show you the variety of music and artists that were using the synthesizer once it came out and became pretty much industry-wide by the mid-80s. The other event that allowed synthesizers and new wave to really take off was MTV. Now, when I talk about MTV, I don't mean MTV as it is now. And although I know for a lot of you that grew up watching it, uh, you can't help but be disappointed at what it's become now. But when, for those of you that don't know, when MTV first launched in August of 1981, it was just with the focus on music videos. So pretty much 24-7, they would be playing music videos from artists that were popular at the time. And that had never been seen before. And I don't think many people thought it would be profitable at the time, especially since it was on cable TV. But it became a huge platform for new artists to kind of showcase themselves using music videos. Now at the time, American artists hadn't really used music videos compared to uh, British artists, which had learned how to use the music videos early on, starting in the mid-70s mid or to late 70s. So the, the U.S. artists were kind of at a disadvantage at the beginning, and this allowed the British artists to kind of take off in the early 80s. So you had artists such as Wham!, ABC!, Simple Minds!, the Psychedelic Furs!, really coming into their own in the early 80s to mid-80s, and becoming very popular here stateside. And journalists would, would label this a second British invasion after the original British invasion of the 1960s, which had involved groups like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and those sort of bands back then. So you can really see now at this point, you can see that there was that transition like I was talking about earlier of punk rock, its roots being from punk rock to now more of a upbeat poppy sound. And it was in this time that New Wave gradually lost its associations to punk. And New Wave went from meaning bands like Talking Heads to all of a sudden meaning bands like The Cars, Squeeze, to Duran Duran, and finally Wham! Which is probably the most pop sounding of all those groups and artists so far that were associated with the label of New Wave. Also with the synthesizer becoming very popular at this time and a lot of artists using it many people started calling any new band or punk rock or rock act that came out at the time as as new wave artists they were just automatically put into that because of the synthesizer sound they would have and honestly that's what i consider new wave is if there's any type of use of the synthesizer i would consider it a new wave so i really can't fault a lot of the people back then that would automatically label any of those acts as new wave. 
During this time, new wave music scenes developed in Ohio and Athens, Georgia, where you had acts such as the B-52s and R.E.M. who came out of those, those places. There were also acts who were not considered new wave, but dipped their toes into the genre for the popularity of it. So you had artists like Billy Joel, Donna Summer, and Linda Ronstadt, who had some songs that were in the new wave category. So by the mid-80s, you had MTV pushing new wave music, new wave artists. You had artists that were using synthesizers because they had become affordable and they were able to experiment with the sounds and create new music. And then finally, you had another push and this came from, believe it or not, the movie industry. The movie industry was very big. It's always been very big in, in promoting music and soundtracks. And in the 80s, this was no exception. So we're talking about uh, movies like Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club, movies from The Brat Pack, and then we also had other films like Valley Girl that used new song, new wave songs in their soundtrack. Now, John Hughes, who was the creator of all the Brad Pack movies such as Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink, he was a huge fan of the British new wave music. And because of that, he wanted to ensure that they were in the mainstream, that they wouldn't go away, that people could appreciate it and, and enjoy the music just as he did. So because of that, he placed those types of, those types of songs into his films. So for those of you that have seen them, uh, Pretty in Pink has the song Pretty in Pink by the Psychedelic Furs in there. And of, and of course, talking about The Breakfast Club too, which had the song Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. So there was all types of, of new wave music in his films that helped push that genre even further into the mainstream because now you were talking about the the target audience that would see those films, which would be young younger people, young adults, teenagers who would go out there and then want to go buy the records for the soundtracks for the movies, you know, tell their parents they wanted to get those type of albums and, and really pushed the popularity even further of New Wave into the mainstream. So it was really during this time now, around 83 to around 87, that New Wave was at, was at its most popular. They were really topping the charts every week. New artists or even the same artists with new New Wave music, New Wave songs would be topping the charts. They would be featured in movies. They would be in TV shows. Shows like Miami Vice would showcase new wave music. It was everywhere. And it was really a phenomenon of the 80s, which is why nowadays when we think about the 80s music, we tend to think about new wave, like Devo and those, all those types of acts. Personally, I really enjoy the new wave genre. It has a very distinct sound and it's easy to identify, especially with the use of synthesizers. Uh, one of my favorite groups a flock of seagulls was very much new wave they had songs like i ran space age love song and wishing if i had a photograph of you that to me are timeless classics and i could listen to again and again they i just have that distinct sound that you know spells out new wave to me another of my favorites is the song safety dance and that has the new wave sound as well with the synthesizer uh, playing throughout the background in the track. And then we also have bands like the Human League, 
who I also enjoy listening to a lot. Uh, they were also major players in the genre. So they had songs like Blue Monday, which even to this point, I, I still hear in certain uh, dance clubs. So I think that's an absolute win. Human and Fascination, which again, just like Blue Monday, I, I hear from every now from time to time at dance clubs. So these are songs that were not only popular in their time, but are classics and have been featured in everything from shows to video games and movies long after the fact. I know the, the new movie that was coming out about Wonder Woman 1984, I don't know if you guys have been able to see some of those trailers. They were actually using Blue Monday or a, a, a new version of Blue Monday that had been sampled and kind of updated as the song for the trailer. And of course me being the 80s fanatic that I am, I instantly geeked out on the fact that they used such such a popular song and one of my favorite songs as the theme for the trailer. And it instantly got my attention. So I'm definitely waiting for whenever that movie finally comes out because I want to see how they depicted the 80s, what type of music they're going to show and highlight and the fashion sense that they show as well. But... Like all good things, uh, New Wave had to come to an end. And this this is mostly agreed to have happened around 1987. So around this time, v, uh, MTV, uh, I was going to say VH1, were still kind of showcasing 80s or New Wave bands and artists. But there started to become a, a transition to featuring more hip-hop, and and rock bands and what ended up happening is there was almost kind of like a response i wouldn't say it was a backlash i don't think it was to that degree but there was definitely a response to this new wave movement by rock and roll artists that just wanted to be back in the limelight and they wanted to push back against that image of new wave and kind of you know that that pop rock light-hearted, kind of nerdy-type sound that had become very popular. And that's when you had bands like Poison, Whitesnake, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard that broke into the scene and just blew away the, the new wave. That's when MTV started focusing on those types of, of bands. Not to mention you had glam rock bands as well. And... This eventually kind of transitioned into what would be the sound of the early 90s and grunge rock. I think it was just personally a, a sign that people were ready for something new. And it, it happens, you know, not every sound stays in the, in the mainstream or in the popular limelight for too long. And like I said... When I was talking about earlier and the British invasion of the 60s, that there was the rock and roll in the 60s, and then it kind of went dormant. Then you went to the new wave, and then this early or late 80s transition back to rock was was just kind of a a, a scene that's always evolving, always changing in music, and it, it was pro I think time probably time for for a new sound, but new wave really never went away. And its influence can be seen in artists since then. And even today I hear songs that I believe could be just as easily 
mistaken for being from the 80s. So I'm talking to you guys right now from 2020. And just in this year, I've heard a couple of songs that I, I really think got their influence from new wave artists. So this song uh, in particular is called Are You Bored Yet? by Wallows. And it really sounded from the first time I heard it like a new wave song to me. The instrumentation, the the synthesizer, I was just like, wow, this, this sounds very 80s to me. And I kept thinking for a while, I'm like, I know this reminds me of a song. And I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but once I, I finally was able to find out the artist of it and listen to it a couple of times, because I first heard this on the, on the radio. And as you know, when you're trying to discover a song, you're just trying to hear that one lyric that repeats. So, like, hey, I, I can look this up on Google and see if I find it. And eventually I was able to find that, that one lyric that helped me find the song. But anyways, after listening to it a couple of times, it hit me. And I'm like, wow, this... This song sounds like Wishing by A Flock of Seagulls. It has that same type of beat and melody to it. Just a little, a little obviously different. But I've even listened to them back to back since I made this connection. And honestly, it just sounds like an evolution of that sound that A Flock of Seagulls used in their original song. So that was a big uh, you know, open, eye-opener to me that even today, New Wave continues to influence. There was also another song I heard that had those kind of similar New Wave vibes. And this, this song is called Fire For You by Cannons. And that song even has some some scenes, some references to, to a roller skater ring. And, and one of their bandmates is actually wearing a Miami Vice-like outfit. Like they're dressed like, you know, with the white suit, the pink shirt just like Crockett would, and they even have the, the Ray-Ban. So I was definitely geeking out on all, on both of these songs, and I was like, wow. Like I was just happy that that, that it hasn't been forgotten. The new wave, the 80s style, it hasn't been forgotten, and I'm glad that new artists are still kind of pushing the envelope in that and, and making sure we don't forget about it. So... I think the best part is that they were, again, released in the last year. So the influence of New Wave continues even now. And it should be here to stay. And we're just going to be seeing it in different ways, in different styles from new artists. Because as we know, um, some of the artists that, that were popular back then, they've gone away from the music scene. They've transitioned into a second career. So it, it definitely does my heart happy that i can still listen and get my fix of new wave not that's not saying that i don't listen to the new wave music from the 80s i do but just seeing that it's still around and that new artists continue to use synthesizers and push that sound I, i'm all for it so that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of the retro nostalgia podcast i hope as you guys listen you gained an appreciation for the new wave sound or if you already had one, that at least you gained a new fact about how it started. I know as I was doing some research for this, I I learned that it, it was actually a branch off of punk rock. I, I didn't know that New Way was even associated to that. I thought it was more of a, a pop sound. Definitely some pop rock there as well, but 
I always associated more towards pop, not not really punk rock. So I know for myself, I learned that. Um, and uh, for those of you that knew some of those facts, I hope the main thing you take away from this is that New Wave has never really gone away. It's still around. It's still being used as, as a genre of music. So I don't think New Wave is going to go away anytime soon. And it'll just, I think, be rediscovered by artists that come along and, and find out how to use these the synthesizers and experiment with the sounds or maybe use sounds from the 80s as inspirations and bases for their, their music going forward. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this topic. Uh, it's very near and dear to to my heart. I enjoy New Wave. Uh, it was kind of what, what got me into 80s in the first place, listening to bands like A Flock of Seagulls. And I hope you guys, like I said, um, just appreciate the sound and got some facts from this episode. And if anything, just, just learn something new, you know. Um, music's always changing, but when once there's a genre that, that can become a classic and harbor lots of classic hits it kind of just keeps on going and and uh alive with with new artists as time passes so until next time guys be excellent to each other you've been listening to the retro nostalgia podcast we release new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on Instagram. If you love it and you want to help support this podcast, consider becoming a Patreon member for access to exclusive content. All links are in the show notes. Until next time, be excellent to each other.